Our Old Testament lesson this morning is a well-known psalm, probably the most well-known of all the psalms. This is Psalm 23, verses 1 through 6, which can be found uh, on page 859 in your pew Bibles. It is Psalm 23, a psalm of David. If you don't know who David was, he had been a shepherd, and then God uh, took him from shepherding and turned him into a king. It's a long much longer story than that, but that's the overview. (laughs) And as David reflects on all of this, uh, he writes um, in terms of the shepherding and the danger and the king, uh, kingship all rolled into one tight little poem that is amazingly (laughs) well-written. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word that you've given to us. Lord, we ask as we hear your word this morning, read and proclaimed, God, that you would give us ears to hear, you would give us minds to understand, you would give us hearts that are ready to receive your word into our lives, that by your word and by your spirit, we would be changed, made ever more into the people that you have created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray, amen. Psalm 23, a psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Turning into our New Testament lesson, Acts chapter 4. Verses 1 through 12, should be found on page 1695 in your pew Bibles. This is uh, kind of a response that's taking place after Peter and John had uh, healed a man who was begging at the temple gates, and this is what happens in early in chapter 3. And they... Uh, They say to him, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And he gets up and he walks. Well, later, here's what happens as a result of that. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, 
If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it has been a few weeks uh, since we have been looking at uh, the Gospel of John. That is where we are. We're going to pick right up where we were a few weeks ago in John uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 22. But let me set the stage for you as we get there. We are um, we're going to have a little bit of a controversy right up front. And uh, this is going to be a controversy that's dealing with between John the Baptist and Jesus. And John the Baptist is uh, someone that we have seen already in the Gospel of John. He's been out there. He's been calling people to repent and to turn and uh, back to God. And he's been baptizing them. And he's going to continue doing that. And he's got some followers around him. Jesus also has begun his ministry. And some of the people that were following John, we saw earlier, uh, actually had started following Jesus instead. Well, there's still going to be people following uh, John who mm, get a little nervous about this whole situation, so there's a bit of controversy. That's where we're going to start. Then we'll see how John answers it, and then we'll hear the explanation for this. Uh, but before we get into any of that, I think, I think it might be helpful if we understand kind of the feelings that John's disciples had in the situation. Um, so has anybody here ever had a situation where you feel like somebody has stolen your thunder? So for example, you get, you know, the brand new shoes, and you are really excited about the shoes, and you're going to go to this party, and you can't wait for everybody to see your shoes because they are so nice. And you get to the party, and everybody is already admiring the new shoes that are just like your shoes, but somebody else has them on. You know that feeling? Or when you, have, uh, <laughs> when you have started this new business that you think is going to be the new, next big thing, and then somebody moves in right across the street and does the same thing and takes all the customers. You know that feeling? I'm sure whether shoes or business, <laughs> those might not be your particular situation, but we all know this feeling, right? Where you show up expecting the attention to be on you, and instead the attention's on somebody else. How does that feel? It's not good, right? It's not good. So that's the, uh, the situation that John the Baptist's disciples were feeling, is they are following John the Baptist. They think he's going to be the next big thing. And then, and I mean, his, we call him John the Baptist. Like, baptizing is his thing. <laughs> that's what he does. And now we have Jesus and his disciples baptizing people as well. And there are more people going over there. And so they get a little nervous. Here's the controversy. This is John chapter 3, starting in verse 22. And if there's confusion at this point, let me just tell you, the John that is the Baptist is not the same John that wrote this book. It gets confusing. There are a lot of Johns back then. There are a lot of Johns today. It's one of those names that just carries on. Okay. 
Uh, so after this, this is after Jesus' conversation with Nicodemus in the nighttime. Uh, it says, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out in the, into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water, and, because, and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. There you go. Translation, he's stealing your thunder. Right? Here's this other guy who's doing your thing. This is what you're known for, and he's doing it, and everybody's going to him. This is, this is copyright infringement. <laughs> we should sue. But this is the idea. This is the feeling of what's going on. And so they come to John, and this is their complaint, is that everybody's following him instead of you. And we just want you to know we're on team John the Baptist, right? <laughs> so put yourself in John the Baptist's shoes. How do you respond when you have a group of people who are following you and they come to you and they say, we just want you to know we're on your side and not that guy? Well, how does John the Baptist respond? Interesting situation. Verse 27, to this John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. Stop there. Do you hear this response? That's probably not what we would expect. That John the Baptist, instead of saying, good, I'm glad y'all are on my side. <laughs> Let's see what we can do to either run him out of business or, you know, grow, uh, grow our market share enough that he goes somewhere else. Not at all. Instead, he reminds them of the reason for his ministry at all, and it was to point people to Jesus. And so if he's been pointing people to Jesus and people are then going to Jesus... Good. That's what this was about. This wasn't ever about me anyway. It's always been about him. I told you that <laughs> earlier on. And in fact, if you read uh, John chapters 1 and 2, you see John the Baptist saying this kind of thing. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is what John the Baptist is doing, is pointing the way to Jesus. He himself was not the light. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light. This is what... Uh, John the Baptist's mission is, is to point people to Jesus. And then his disciples come to him and they say, people are going to Jesus, what do we do? Celebrate? <laughs> he must become greater. I must become less. This seems like a really unnatural thing for us. We want to make a name for ourselves. And it actually, if we go back all the way to Genesis... The early, early problem here. In Genesis, we have a, uh, 
a distinction between the people who built the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11, and then Abraham is introduced in chapter 12. Does everybody here know Abraham's name? You know about him? You know about Abraham? Everybody knows about Abraham. Father Abraham. It's another name for him. That's right. Can anybody name any of the people who built the Tower of Babel? No one. Interesting. I can't either. But that's interesting because when they were building the tower, they said they were doing it so that they would make a name for themselves. And we don't know any other names. The very next chapter, God says to Abraham, I will make your name great. And we all know his name. John the Baptist understands it's not about making a name for himself. It's about pointing people to Jesus. If God wants to make his name great, great. (laughs) And if not, that's fine too. That's not the point. The point is pointing people to Jesus. And so uh, for us, it's real easy to think like those building the Tower of Babel and think, I've got to get the attention on me. I've got to build my reputation. I've got to boost my name, however possible. That people will know who I am. Doesn't matter. I like to think of this in terms, and this is over 50 years old as a reference, so maybe we'll see who tracks with this one. (laughs) Uh, But it's like Ed Sullivan saying, the Beatles, right? And he introduces the Beatles. If the camera stays on him, that's not how it's supposed to go. And if the camera starts to pan over to the Beatles and everybody's screaming and paying attention to them, if some of Ed Sullivan's friends come up to him, they're like, Ed, the cameraman's on the Beatles and, and all the people are screaming for them, but you know, you're the, your name is on this show. Shouldn't people be paying attention to you? He's responsible the same as John the Baptist. No, <laughs> they shouldn't be paying attention to me. My job is to introduce this act. That's where people should be focusing. And the same way, this is what uh, John the Baptist, anyway, if that helps, good. If not, forget it. It's, it's been over 50 years. It's weird. Anyway, uh, but that's where John the Baptist is on this. He understands his role is not to have the spotlight on him, but to introduce and to get people look at Jesus. And so it is really interesting that in the same breath, he can say that joy is mine and is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. That the more people are looking to Jesus, that is not taking joy away from John the Baptist. It's actually making his joy complete. This is what I came for. This is what I wanted, was for people to go to Jesus. And in doing that, great now I can step to the side and let people focus on him. And what's interesting, if you actually read through the Gospel of uh, John, the way that it's written, is at this moment we start hearing less and less about John the Baptist and more and more about Jesus. In the first three chapters of John, uh, the name of John the Baptist comes up more than four times per chapter. In the next seven chapters it comes up less than once per chapter. And after chapter 10, you never hear about him again. So as he says, he must become greater. 
I must become less. And as you're reading through the story, you don't notice that happens. It's a natural transition. You start out and you're hearing about John the Baptist. He points to Jesus. The attention goes to Jesus, and that's where your attention goes as well. And it's a good thing, and it's to be celebrated. He says it's like being uh, the best man at a wedding. If you're the best man at a wedding, and you stand up and you give your toast, and it's all about you, <laughs> and, uh, that's awkward. But he says the whole thing is he's excited for the bridegroom and the groom to be together. And you can think about it like if you're, uh, you got two friends, you want to set them up, you think they'd be perfect for each other, right? You don't fix them up and then micromanage their relationship. You get them together and then you get out of the way. This is what he's doing. Now, uh, obviously this is not what the, his disciples were expecting, but we do get the explanation. So we had the little controversy, we have uh, his response, now here's the explanation as to why this is the case. Verses 31 and 36. Uh, John, the author, tells us, the one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. This is the explanation. Why is it that John came uh, preparing the way for Jesus? Why is it that he came to point people to Jesus? Because Jesus is the one who came from above, who is above all. And is in, therefore, a unique category. He is in a unique position in all of human history. Uh, As we saw Peter and John said in Acts, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. I heard a guy, I think it was Michael Ramsden years ago, uh, said, you know, when looking at a Christian, if you take just the word Christian, that if you take Christ out of Christian, all you're left with is Ian, and Ian can't save anyone. That's clever. (laughs) But the idea there is it's all about Jesus. And what we have as Christians, apart from Jesus, is nothing. What we have as Christians is Jesus. And so in the same way that Jesus is John the Baptist's message, I mean, obviously we're not in the same position as John the Baptist. He also had a kind of a unique role in history. But Jesus even tells us the, one, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. Because not only do we get to point people to him, we get to be followers of him as well. But we do get to point people to him. And we do have that kind of introductory role. And so our job is not to uh, build elaborate ministries. Our job is to point people to Jesus. To get them uh, to know him. as the one through whom salvation comes. 
then to get out of the way. If we are worried about our reputation, we're like John the Baptist's disciples. And we're more like the builders of the Tower of Babel. But if instead we're okay with uh, not making our name great, making his great, we understand our role properly. One final thought. And that is uh, John the Baptist. I think one of the reasons he's able to do this with confidence, one, because he knows who Jesus is. But two, it's easy for us to read this kind of thing and say, he's making him greater and us less. I don't know. Does this mean you know, that we're supposed to be, that we're somehow less important now because... It all has to do with the focus of the eyes of the world. John the Baptist was no less important in the eyes of God as he steps off the stage as he's ever been. God still loves John the Baptist just as much <laughs> from day one to day whatever the end. And the same is true for us. And this is, uh, so regardless of how many people are looking at you, because that's not the measure. In fact, that's one of the repeated uh, refrains throughout the Sermon on the Mount, is if you are doing this to get people to look at you, that's all you're ever going to get. But instead, it says, but your heavenly Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And so for us to remember that whether we are on the stage or behind the scenes, God's eyes are on us, and his love is consistent, and it does not change. And so we do not become less important depending on our role at any given time in his eyes, even though the world may see us as more or less important. And that's what John the Baptist is talking about. In the eyes of the world, I must become less. So it doesn't make him less of a person. It doesn't make him uh, less of a child of God. I think that's helpful uh, distinction for us as we embrace our role as, uh, as children of God, as followers of Jesus, and as those who are to help his name become greater, even if it means ours becomes less in the eyes of the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.